Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oitari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who definitely believes that clothes should be a public property. <laughs> I am the Adam class, and I honestly do. Yeah, That's no, a, no jokes. Unironically, unironically, uh, the means to life and comfort in life, uh, taking them uh, because you lack them is not theft. And uh, Bill and believes that too. It's worth noting that Bill, Bill believes Bill, that too. Bill just doesn't understand why they wouldn't be free. Right, right. Really, Bill cannot really conceive the of the part. idea that you would say, yeah. no, he can't walk in there and get some clothes. Yeah, which is what's beautiful about, about, Bill, about Bill stupid is, socialist Bill. I love you. Yes, he's a beautiful man <laughs> who just doesn't understand. Before we get into the movie this week, I do want to talk about our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Over there for a dollar a month, you get access to a bonus episode. It's always a non-criterion film. Our supporters get to vote on what we're going to watch. and I put together that list usually, but sometimes supporters put together the list. And when they do, we invite them onto the podcast to talk about a movie that they suggested we watch, which is always fun because usually it's a movie they like. Uh, movies well, movies no one likes only end up yeah, on the list yeah. if I make them. <laughs> Right, you you yeah. are the torturer here. No one else is. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think anyone's ever been on an episode for a movie they didn't like. Uh, have with, it, wait, with one exception. Uh, wait, we did. has any have any of our like no. local like no one's people we grew up with appeared on an episode that was demonstrably <laughs> bad? I I do have to. I don't think that's true, but I do have to caveat that there was one. One time when I made a list of of just weird Canadian children's movies <laughs> that that offended one of our Canadian supporters so true. much that he demanded be on the episode. Every list so far, basically, I I don't repeat movies on the list, uh, which is uh, a rule I put on myself that is not sustainable. So, yeah, I don't. Um, I don't, so know don't expect why. that to happen. Obviously, we'll never rewatch a movie that one. No. Except there is one exception to that, which is that every list contains. Kazam, the 1996 children's movie starring Shaquille O'Neal. But has Kazam ever really won? No, no. Kazam only wins when I make a really terrible list. Uh, So Kazam is is on there uh, as a way to actively punish me for making a bad list. So uh, thanks thanks for the two times where that has actually come to blows and been a thing. Uh, And also thanks for never making us watch it elsewise. Yeah. Um, That movie. Oh. So that $1 commitment gets you access to that vote, gets you access to those episodes, all of the back catalog episodes. There's over 60 over there right now. Uh, and yeah, it's it's more fun. There's so you many. Hear you can watch talk. some really great stuff over there, or listen to some really great stuff over there. Yeah. And you should always watch the movie before you before You, you listen should. To I don't that's recommend just, like, listening to us talk without... like. I know. I know sometimes we end up as a plot recap, but that's not, very that's rarely not the intention. It's not the intention of this podcast, uh, and we only do it in service of talking about, you know, whatever we want to talk about. I mean, so. we could do that, but the podcast would get real long if we did that, because we would still want to talk about yeah. it, so it would be like, 
Right. And I don't know that either of us would be particularly good at summarizing the movie, so it'd probably get out of hand pretty fast. It would. It would. Because we'd we'd really just be going line through line by line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before you know it, we've anyway. got like the script printed out. All right, here we go. <laughs> yeah, we're just doing Which character are you covering, Adam? Maybe maybe we should pivot and start doing uh, doing live play, like table reads of, of every film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway. No commentary. Anyway, all table a, reads. A little above that one dollar mark, we do at uh, five dollars for folks who can afford to keep us to help us out and keep us going. Uh, we like to thank those people on air and thank you so much to Stephen Goldmeyer, Chris Otto, Andrew Jarrett, and Eric Cordonado. Our yes. current five dollars. Thank you very supporters. much. Hoping to keep the light on, bit, lights on over here at the yeah. podcast HQ. A bit above that. I mean, they've been helping us for 10 years yeah. now. So, yeah. I mean, not we haven't done the Patreon for 10 years, but it's all like of these six, people. right, you said. You know, Stephen Steven, uh, was one of our earliest guests. Not our absolute earliest guests, but he was on yeah, very, very early on. Very yeah. soon. Very early on. Um, so, yeah, just he's been a longtime supporter of this project. And... Uh, yeah, has been super helpful, and I'm so I'm grateful to everyone who gives us any money. But uh, absolutely, but I'm but I'm especially grateful to people I know in real life who give us money because it seems like uh, an extra step to to give money to someone I know as as Midwestern males. That's uh, yeah, that's it's, a, it's actually almost physically painful. Uh, a bit above that five dollar mark at ten dollars and above our highest tier, we do something that I think is pretty dang special. Once a month, Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard, write a little personalized thank you note to our supporters at that level. Also, like to thank those folks on air. So, thank you so much to our ten dollars row supporters: Jason Westaver, Nina Bosnak, Patrick Yalko, and Tracy McGrath. Yes, thank you so much. If you want to see those postcards without committing to that ten dollars mark, or if you want to buy, I mean, I think you should commit sight unseen. I'm just saying, have faith in us. I listen. Everyone, everyone who's committed uh, so far. Committed yeah, that's that is true. Yeah, no, the 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 Redbubble has not netted any new commitments to this. No. Maybe it's hurting the pro- the the process. Frankly, <laughs> that's possible. We haven't had any any new ten dollars supporters since we put the Redbubble up. I don't think. Uh so that's that's perfectly possible. But head over to Redbubble.com. You can search for Lost in Criterion there and see those old postcards. You can buy them as postcards, as greeting cards, as stickers, as magnets. Uh, some of them as pins. One of them as a T-shirt. Uh, because we had a special request, and why would I take that back off the store? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, that's staying up there forever. Uh, so, I, I, I may, yeah. I may purposely try to like do one T-shirt a year or something. I don't know. I go. just, I'm there fascinated by the idea of making T-shirts that are like wholly incomprehensible as actual physical <laughs> works. All right. Unfortunately, unfortunately it seems like your wholly incomprehensible ones are the ones that get challenged This by is true. This is these are the ones the most, that the the, 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 the man doesn't want you to see, folks. Yeah. The ones that will actually hurt the people around you when you wear them are not accessible <laughs> to you. If you want to see the 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 secret un uh, like unpublishable ones, we'll mail them to you if you ask. I I we will do it. Who could have guessed that it's American copyright law that keeps us away from those unseen horrors? Yeah, yeah. So life. some of them will the actually open a chasm into another dimension you in your mind. Yeah, you you will you will be tapped straight into whatever horrible nightmare force powers this universe if you see some of them. Indeed, indeed. Ah, uh, so head over to Redbubble.com to search for Lost in Criterion <laughs> to have that, that experience. We're not, we're not. Uh, I'm not promising you'll have that experience. I can't legally do that, but. Uh, 
But I you mean, might. It's so definitely possible. Why not take that chance? <laughs> thank you to so much. Uh, thank you to so much. Um, <laughs> thank you so much to those of you who have uh, shopped off at our Redbubble. Very grateful to you. Grateful to everyone who supports us on Patreon and grateful to everybody who listens. Thanks. Yes, thank you so much. Pat, this week... We're finishing up the Joseph von Sternberg box set. Uh, it was three films by Joseph von Sternberg uh, that we started almost a month ago at this point. Yeah, it feels uh, like it's been forever. Way back in December, we watched Underworld from 1926 and then The Last Command from 1928. And this week's also comes from 1928, The Docks of New York. All three of these are silent films. Uh, they are all... Good in their own way. I don't know if Sternberg ever made. <laughs> like you're just being a bad polite movie. about the one we did last week. You're like, it's good. We did in its own special yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's visually, it's visually stunning. It's not a very good movie, uh, The Last Command. But um, there is, there is a chance that maybe Stern Sternberg made some real uh, uh, bad movies because he does have lost films. One, there right. is a film that actually looks really interesting. That uh, that we saw in some of the bonus material uh, about uh, Underworld and talked about it a little bit in Underworld uh, that he made prior to Underworld that Charlie Chaplin himself suppressed. <laughs> I I want but, uh, to know about that movie so so bad though, like I yeah. want to um, see it so bad. And then uh, he made at least one other movie in 1928 that has been lost, called The Dragnet, another gangster movie. Uh, also with George Bancroft, who is our uh, star in this one and our star in Underworld. He was not in The Last Command, though. Um, I got I to gotta be honest. I felt this in Underworld. And maybe felt it here more so. George Bancroft is... I don't know. There's something about him that he's, he's like... Maybe it's just that he's such a normal-looking guy. Yeah. But in Underworld and here, he really feels like a guy playing dress up. He feels like an actor. He doesn't feel like the character. You are right. Well, I, I would I would agree with that hundred percent. I, I think it is a I think it's this sort of like he's I, I see this occasionally in, in movies today, like well I do actually see this fairly often in sad to say like in some Japanese dramas sometimes, but there's a sort of like a you can hit like a peak of like overacting where you like destroy your audience's illusions about this being a, a like a thing that is real. Yeah, yeah, but even like the normal examples of that, that sort of like scenery eating villain is something that's true for that, but it it still feels right when it happens, usually. Well, but often. I think it's because yeah. I think George Bancroft is is somebody akin, I think it's a problem where he is paired up again. We've talked about this before in other films. Uh, yeah. The leading, the lead actresses are not like that in these films. And so right, Bancroft right. feels out of place in his own yeah. movies. Yeah, and it's maybe that he's out of time. You know, he's he's 10 years older than uh the female leads in both the both underworld and this um which you know isn't it's not really an age problem here because both those women are are in their early 30s and he's in his early 40s um but it feels like a different style of acting right like he's bringing yeah, to bear yeah, different like, skills and different styles right 
Right. He's been he he'd been acting for ten years by the time it feels like really early the... silent film stuff, right? Where they hadn't quite yeah, nailed I the think form that's down. Which is you know it's super expressive, uh, and I don't want to call him a bad actor. He's not. He's not at all. Uh, but there's just there is something about the way he carries himself where it feels. Yeah, it just feels like a guy in a costume. Right, not, I, I would agree. Not and like, like the actual character. And his, his his actions feel like, like you know, in this one we see him like lifting a barrel of whiskey or whatever over his head and drinking. Like, they're, it's stupid. Like, uh, it, yeah. But here's what I will say is I do feel like the two parts we've seen him in were chosen to play to his strengths in the sense that, yeah. like, while he doesn't feel like a real person. You're definitely buying into this more as a stage play than anything else in a lot of ways. Uh, and it doesn't match up well with his with his co-stars. Like, they're characters that match the kind of overacting that he's doing, which is, right. like, this they, person is not a real person. Like, Bill Roberts in this movie is not a real human being. Right. Like, at all. But he is pretty entertaining to watch. He's got a very, very Popeye yeah. flair to him. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and and I think that's sort of true about Bull in Underworld as well, where they're both kind of dumb, kind of dim-witted, mm. uh, but uh, but loyal. Uh, in Underworld, he's also suave, whereas here he's right, a he's very just not, you know yeah. he's dirty, he's 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 uncouth. Um. But yeah, they're they're similar characters with with those changes of how much dirt's on his costume, right? <laughs> but but he's still he's he's a violent guy. He's kind of a dumb guy, and he uh, takes what he wants. Uh, certainly, as the criminal in Underworld, and and here to a lesser extent, where he where he does commit crime, it is not out of uh, desire to commit crime. It's that. He just doesn't understand why it would be a crime. Right. He's completely detached from from modern society (laughs) and like it's like, well, yeah. I just do what I gotta do. And as a guy who spends uh, you know thirty days a month, maybe possibly yeah, under sixty four. Basically underwater, yeah. And like comes out is given fresh air like once a month, maybe. Maybe it seems like maybe once every three months. He's given fresh air. Yeah. And like he has a very clear set of plans in mind for exactly how he's gonna spend that one day or whatever. I mean, they're not even given a full twenty four hours, right? Like they're like let off the boat sometime in the middle of like the evening. It's like, well you better be back here by tomorrow morning and not hung over. And it's like, well that's ridiculous. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's another sort of like last week. This is another movie that uh, is showing us the bottom rung of capitalist society without making any sort of material arguments about it. Right, right. This one's actually maybe a little better than the one about the Russian Revolution. It it, it is slightly better, but only slightly. Like It it, it has the same problem of like it wants to to stereotype the, the sort of the you know, common folk into this sort of this like big lump of like dumb asses who like yeah. don't know, like wouldn't know their ass from a hole in the ground, basically. Like he's just, Bill is a character of a human being, like 100%. Right. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he's a fun caricature of a He is. And, 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 and 
as a result of like the way the story unfolds in a fundamentally good good person right like he'll he'll steal you some clothes if you do not have any he will jump he'll, in and rescue you if you if you're drowning he'll take yeah. the fall for like his he'll take responsibility for his own misdeeds yeah. when he finds out they're actually technically illegal yes yeah and he'll you know he'll uh he his not understanding of why society just doesn't want to help this woman is it flows throughout his entire character absolutely right? because he 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 takes her to the to the upper room at the bar and uh you know the owner's wife is like oh no you can't you can't bring her in here He's like, of course I'm going to bring her in here. There's a bed here. What are you talking about? Right, like, and, it, and Bill is a fascinating character because Bill is an imposing figure who essentially cannot be stopped from enacting. A, right. It's, it's fascinating. It's a movie almost wholly devoid of class consciousness, and yet Bill is is like some sort of weird platonic version of like of that of a of a I don't know yeah. of like the sort of proletariat or it's, something like that. He can't be stopped. Like you cannot yeah. stop him from making the world he wants to exist, basically. Yeah. Uh, and and he's he's an anarchist in all of the best right. best definitions yeah. of that word. Uh, yeah, he's just a guy who doesn't care. But he's also a guy who you know for his job uh, is the victim of hierarchy. Right. Right. Uh, he is he is literally kept in the bowels of the ship, uh, shoveling coal uh, with you know masters who are not they threaten violence but we never see them commit violence against him right no their their um, violence is always the implied threat that like he'll just right not like we all yeah. i mean that's the thing about it right like because we all exist in this kind of society we all understand that like bill has to show up yeah. for work or else bill is right and there's gonna starve there's whatever. the implication when they're at sea of you know the like he says when he in the final scene on the ship when Bill's climbing out to jump off and swim back to May. The foreman there threatened says he'll have I'll have you in chains for this. Like this is not an arrestable offense, but they are, you know, that's they're at sea and they can put them in the brig or whatever. Yeah, the know, maritime is, like some weird maritime yeah. law bullshit, right? Kind of feeling, right? Yeah. Where it's um, where it's even this this darker hierarchy than than because it's it's pure capitalism at that point. Right. It's pure pure hierarchy it's 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 actually the, the sort of setup for bill is fascinating because you get the impression that these and 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 this can't possibly be true but i i don't really know anything about this world and this work and how accurate this would be like you get the impression that they, these guys are literally not let, allowed out of the hole for the entire journey like right you get this sort of impression that no they sleep down here they eat down here they live down here like this is like their home for the whole three months or whatever it's it's it gives you a it's real where he drinks his like, coffee it's a real fucked up place. It feels like you know. Yeah, yeah. It's also interesting. Yeah, it's that also... The movie starts with an implication that like now stoking coal. Fi- I don't. Uh, the intro card for this is real weird. Yeah, like it's like um, it says something to the effect of like now that's women's work or something. It's very <laughs> confusing. I'm like, like what what was happening at exactly the time this movie was released? Because this movie is. Not know. set in 1928. In theory, no, probably the, the not. The title card, the title card has an 
an implication that it is set in a previous time because it talks about that and then it talks about like when it gets to the bar well that doesn't exist anymore it's been turned over to like oh yeah capitalist yes, yes, yes. enterprise or something like that so there's an implication right. that the time the movie is being set is some like 10 years earlier or something or something right. like sometime that. in the past because the sandbar maybe exists on an actual sandbar that has been converted into uh, like some yeah commercial some commercial structure yeah and then like uh, it's just weird because like yeah the opening like makes this idea that like the the opening title card is in the here and now and says something about like stoking fires is now women's work or something it's like easy and it wasn't back then it's like like yeah, I, I don't know guess i i was really it was a very confusing it's the like fact, the fact that it was shoveling coal as opposed to natural gas or electric or whatever i guess so it was very it was a it was an odd intro card i was like wow you probably you had to be there i guess to understand like what's going on here yeah i i just i do kind of love a a thing put out in 1928 that's still about the 20th century maybe but but is a story of old new york in this nebulous way that's not that's not it's just pre-flapper era. New York is all it really is. And maybe pre-World War One, but not pre-20th century. We're not right, that yeah. old. Yeah. yeah, we're not yeah, we're not headed back to like, <laughs> you know, eighteen sixty or something like that. We're like we're firmly in the twentieth century. It's just very odd. Yeah. Uh this one brings up something we didn't bring up last week from the bonus materials with Sternberg talking. We talked a lot about how Sternberg doesn't view film as the same at least the same level of art as he views literature or uh uh or or painting right uh, which is weird for a guy who makes movies and he says he basically verbatim says uh i didn't i didn't make movies because i wanted to make movies i made movies because i wanted to prove i could make movies right right. basically uh so he's not a guy who despite being an early auteur really you know for for auteur theory he's got to be one of the earliest examples of somebody who really is having his hand on everything and treating his actors as props uh he's not a guy who believes in film as a medium uh but his desire for artistic control over every aspect uh also leads him to only use sets you know nothing's right outdoors Uh, he, he explicitly says in the interview with the Swedish uh, uh, television show that it was about control, that there's too too many variables. To right, have. the outside, outside is, yeah, just, is riddled with variables that you can't control. Yeah, and it's easier. It's just much easier to do it on a soundstage is, is one thing he says. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, this is – we've got limited sets, right? Uh, you know, with with very few exceptions, the – majority of the action takes place in Bill's apartment, the sandbar inside, occasionally the sandbar outside, and that inside the hall of the ship with uh, with quick flashes to the courtroom and the outside of the ship right? Uh, when need be. Um, and presumably... The outside uh, the, of the ship is just obviously stock footage that they bought right. from somewhere. Well, except when he jumps off. It's, it's still that's true. Yeah, that's a true. stage yes, yeah. that's set up. But yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's it's also part of that control. And, you know, the of those, um, the engine room of the ship has an almost German expressionism thing to it. 
uh, very high ceilings, very right. monstrous machines, and and the darkness of the of the coal. Uh, the sandbar itself is a very interesting set with the big with the big steering. The sandbar feels like two things to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like, and they are the, they are essentially the same thing. This is two things that it feels like that are the same thing. Okay, it feels like yeah. the like the scum bar in fucking Monkey Island. Slash <laughs> that's a, or or a Disney version of what a pirate bar looks like. Yeah, like if you yeah, were to go a, to like a, a pirate, too, like yeah, it's very cartoony. It's a little too piratey in in having that big wooden wheel. Yeah. Uh, obviously, tall ships of all sorts had big wooden wheels, and Long Island is uh, you know, that entire but, area of the Northeast is also a whaling whaling right. background, you know, and New York itself has all kinds of ships coming in and out of it all throughout its history. Right. So. But I mean, but the way it deals with its space, like you always view, yeah. it's the only prop, like they, all the props are only viewed, all the sets are essentially always viewed from only a single angle uh, for the most part, yeah. with some exceptions from close-ups. But like that one feels the most like I'm on a Disney ride and I'm going past a like, I don't know, the way you, you, for example, the the bow the bow of the ship where the where they're doing the coal, the the room has a dynamism where like it you know because of like the ex- it extends off into space, whereas the bar yeah. feels like a flat plane. It feels like two stacked flat planes, which just feels like fair. a an early adventure game or b a ride at Disney World. Yeah, yeah, it's almost it's almost stagey. Yes, it, it, and yeah, we do exactly. we do get sort of a wide area of that bar. Uh, between all the things that we see in the bar, because we swing from the bar itself to the table where they have coffee, right. to the part of the we room get close-ups within big... that set, but it always still yeah. sort of feels like it's coming from the same angle. Like like the set is built with one wall open, and that's you got to yeah. be shooting from somewhere on that open wall, or else you're just not going to be doing it. Right, right. It's like a yeah, it's like a television soundstage. Right, exactly. A, yeah. More than a fully built set, and you know that's. That's true for the outside of the sandbar as well, but the outside of the sandbar has the fact that it's built on a pier and has rails. There's a lot of dynamics. That justifies yeah. that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And every other um, set on the I would say that every other set feels more like a normal either like a normal set or like a fairly dynamic space, right? The bedrooms they're in right. and all that stuff. It's just the fact that we're like we are we are perfectly parallel to the camera is perfectly perpendicular to the plane of the of the bar for yeah. a lot of the establishing shots are is a very creates a very odd vibe right yeah yeah um <laughs> i uh i do like the bar i like how and the, i mean this has got to be an active vo- choice by sternberg uh you know this is with Bill as the character he is and the other people that he works with and the other sailors in the bar, it's it's a violent sailor bar. But every time violence is about to break out, something something distracts it. Yeah, like, especially like, like the guy about a, to hit him over the head with the chairs. I'm sure the one is like the, yes. the go-to, right? Right, right. It's the so funny. Yes. And it's, Bill's it's, even nice to him, right? Like Bill doesn't understand yeah. what happened. Bonked him on the head on accident. And it's like, oh, are you okay? Uh, well, it's even it's it's that bill, it's it's that bill desire to uh, to fill his need or or the need of the person in front of him immediately because what triggers that is he walks in and takes the guy's beer because it's the first beer he sees. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then the guy's mad that Bill took his beer. So he tries to hit him with a chair, but it gets caught up in the netting. And then Bill sees that he's having trouble with the chair caught in the netting, so goes to help him take it down. Bonks him in the head. And accidentally hits him in the head with it. It's, but it's then the payoff funny. is, the best then, part of the payoff is that he, he then yes. gives him the beer. Yes. Yes. So he's good. very, very so generously good. puts him on the, sets the chair down, picks him up off the floor, and puts the beer in front of him as if he is giving this beer to, oh, you need this more than me, man. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, like. Yeah, he did. That's why he bought it. That's why, <laughs> yeah, that's why it's his. It's so good, yeah. though. Bill, Bill is just like this totally, it's like, I don't know how to describe that. Char- the character is such an intro, like a fascinating character, like archetype, because it's like. The bumblingness, but like so deeply physically effective at the same time. It's so it's so interesting. And it's not he's not acting out of selfishness ever. It's just he really just has no concept of personal property in such a such a wonderfully refreshing way. Right, right, right. Yeah, even when you see him kind of acting like what you might like categorize as an asshole, it's like, well, no. Uh, He's just he's fulfilling all the needs he and none of the things he's doing are directly necessarily harmful to other people yeah. uh occasionally accidentally seemingly or when somebody tries to stop him from fulfilling one of the needs that right. he's got like on and, his hierarchy of needs yeah and most of most of his desires are uh centered around helping may not not out of his well own yeah especially once he meets right. her right like early on he's he's got to fulfill these like other needs that he has where he's gonna like you know drink a lot yeah. or he's out he's out here to drink and then pretend not to be hungover in the morning. Right. Uh, and, yeah. We do know that um, he has an intention in his mind to meet a woman. Yes. Because like that is yes. that is set up in the boiler room and everywhere else, and, and it's talked about by the movie as a thing that he usually does when he's out and about. Yes. He he certainly does not have the intention of marrying a woman. No. Which is why it's just very silly. You know, when he wakes up in the morning, he's having breakfast with the other guy, and, and he's like, "Well, Bill, you got married last night." He's like, "What? You guys took that seriously?" <laughs> right, right, right. But <laughs> uh, well, he has a very interesting you know. conversation with May about that because it's the only time that we right. see Bill be like semi self aware when he talks mm-hmm. about himself and why. Well, of course, I'm not married because, like, who would want to marry me? Like that. It's a very interesting right. moment, right? Because we don't see Bill be yeah. self-reflective anywhere else in the movie. Well, except for towards the end when he decides to take, when, right? With the way he deals with 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 helping May at the end is is very self-aware in a way that we don't see him be a lot of other times. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. And you know, it's it's that point where he's self-sacrificial too. Right, like, right. He know, becomes he, a, he becomes like immediately aware like, "Oh, I'm the reason why she's having trouble, why this is happening. I I have an obligation yeah. to you know, like, I don't I don't understand why you guys don't want to just Yeah, like this doesn't naked, make I guess sense, I'll go to prison for <laughs> But I'm not going to yeah. let her be punished for this thing that I once again does not make sense. I think he reiterates yeah. multiple times when he's talking to the judge. Uh this does not make sense, but yeah. Uh subtle subtle things with the courtroom scene. The judge sentenced her to thirty days, but when it's Bill it's sixty. Yeah. Uh and, and also Bill Well, it Bill's seems to be so primarily just, because Bill's Bill so tried just, to stick up for the fact that like, well, I did what I yeah. like the judge <laughs> right, is apparently right. wants to try to correct Bill like Bill's course in life to yeah. be like, you know, 
private property's a thing, dude. Yeah, you need to understand capitalism, man. Uh, I don't think Bill's going to understand it when he gets out that. either, frankly. Oh, almost certainly not. Not not in New York prisons of the early 20th century. Not in New York prisons today. Uh, not in any prison, really. Uh, not going to understand it better than when he came in. Uh, but um, but the other the other great thing about the courtroom scene I love is that when Bill rushes in, he addresses the judge as captain. Yes, yeah, uh, which yeah, is it's just good. You know, a really great characterizing moment that that Bill is just he's so used to living on the sea. Yeah, Bill. Everything about him is he's he's a fully realized character, and that's that's the beauty of Bill compared to anyone in The Last Command. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, like this Bill one has, has a character multiple. Arc and is fully this movie has yeah. multiple. Like, I mean, Bill is a caricature, but he is also a a yeah. He's also a person. Uh, and then all the other people Bill's interacting with are people too. I mean, they don't yeah. necessarily get a lot because it's not a very long movie. They don't get a lot of time, but like, you know, he's interacting with people who like have their own motivations and stuff, right? Like May is going through some stuff, right? And we get to learn right. about the things that May is going through. We we get to see the things that the captain and the captain's wife are going through. Like, yeah, I the captain's not really much of a character, but. But the movie's doing pulling a classic stunt, which is, ah, uh, the captain sucks, so he doesn't need to be a fully realized human being. He just sucks. Right. His primary personality trait is sucking. <laughs> Deserving <laughs> to be punched at almost all times, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, especially when he's committing sexual assault. Uh, yeah, but exactly. But then he doesn't get I mean, punched. He gets shot be... by his wife. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> which is pretty great. And, you know, I think the, the movie handles that violence off screen in uh in a way that you know you, we still understand what's going on right yeah 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 you know we we haven't watched a lot of silent films for uh for the criterion collection and often uh outside the sternberg stuff often the silent films we have interacted with have been uh in a foreign language uh so it's it's nice seeing the Sternberg stuff to be reminded that, oh yeah, they are actually delivering lines in English. And if we read their lips, we can tell what right, they're you saying. Can tell, or, <laughs> or alternatively, they're they're delivering a line that is very, very close to what's on the card, but somebody right, decided right. to edit it after the fact and be like, actually, yeah. it'd be better if it said this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it's all really, it's just a really fun movie. It is. It, it really is, is. It is. It is. Like I said, it is, it, it is adjacent to Popeye. Uh yeah. Popeye, oh, yeah. They're different characters. Don't get me wrong. Like Popeye is right. much more like aware of his of his world that he exists in that than than Bill is. But it has that sort of fun over the topness quite a bit. Like so a lot of the things that happen feel right on the edge of being cartoony. It gets serious for yeah. a little while and then it gets kind of cartoony and then it gets serious for a while and then it gets cartoony. But it plays with that dichotomy in a really fun way, right? Like, Bill, Bill to his own devices is essentially cartoony. But then, like, when he interacts with May, he becomes, like, more human, right? Um, which is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder... I wonder if Bill was an influence on Popeye then. His Popeye premiered just after this movie. I mean, it's def- I mean, I one has to wonder if maybe there are this. I mean, I, this archetype probably exists like more broadly. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure. sure. Too. That's, I mean, that's I, this fair. is not exactly a genre I play in a lot. You know, mentally, He'll, like I don't like. I've not seen a lot. He'll of- never sings a song about himself. So uh, no, you know. Well, that's notoriously hard to do in silent films, anyway. Um, <laughs> that's fair. 
One of the things <laughs> I think that I love that like is the stupidest thing, and it has nothing. It's the Criterion release, and it has nothing to do with the the real movie or anything like that. But like, can I describe to you how much of a kick I get out of it? Anytime a a silent movie has violence in it, and they handle the concussive blasts of the violence with symbol yes. crashes, it makes me happy. It's very good every time it happens. The Last Command is notably like is all orchestrated, whereas this feels again yeah. like the kind of silent, a different kind of silent movie, right? And so, like, Bill punches a guy or pushes a guy. He hits the wall, and there's a simple crash. And it's just, uh, it warms my was, heart every time. I think a thing that kind of took me out with the uh, with the Swedish television interview is that when they show clips from Underworld, they play gunshot sound effects to all the guns firing. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that really surprised me. So I, I thought I made it up for a second and rewound. Um, but, yeah, here here we get classic you know the, it's just the very silent movie oh, so it's for beautiful. for each of these films criterion provided uh two soundtracks oh really i did not uh, even pick up on yeah. that yeah well i mean you you'd have no reason if you weren't going through the dvd uh <laughs> right <laughs> displays um uh as a side note the file you have you could select the I, other i'm aware track. that i can also select uh, but, all kinds of other uh, stuff in there but yeah but uh uh, but I switched I switched back and forth a couple of times with this one. Uh, the bass one is is very good for for that what you described the, the you know using the symbols for the percussion. It was always good. Uh, one thing I found very interesting with the other one though was that over over the closing and also over the scene where uh, where they're they're having coffee together and and talking about how well. Who would ever want to marry me? Who would ever marry me? Uh, well, I would want to marry you. Having that conversation, uh, the soundtrack has a vocal track, uh, <laughs> which was uh, unexpected. <laughs> Wait, what? Because I switched. Yeah, so I mean, like, not of a singer, not oh, okay. not of their. I was like, somebody's like, lines. somebody's no. to li- like no. dubbing no over. Like, who yeah. would want to marry Sorry. me? I would want no, to marry you. No, it's just okay. It's a love song, a female vocalist singing a love song about belonging or something. I can't remember the, the words to it, but but it sort of I was because I I had watched the first half of the movie, and then uh, there was a scene that for some reason I thought, oh, I should see what the other soundtrack is. Huh. And I switched it over, and it wasn't it wasn't markedly different. It was definitely a different style thing. But all the on both of them, all the bar stuff is like player piano bar music. You right. Know, okay. They they choose different tunes to base it, to play off of, but still the basic uh, same basic idea. But yeah, well, I but mean, what else? One, are you, well, how else are you going to accompany a, a bar scene? Yeah. I don't even know yeah. what it would be. Yeah, but then this one switches over from that to do this very like loungy, uh, uh, lady singing about falling in love that uh, was just very unexpected for what it was. Uh, but other than that, I gotta say. I I was really happy with the music in all three of these, uh, and I wasn't unhappy with that. With that, it was just unexpected. It's not something when I'm watching well, a silent you, movie. You don't, I don't expect, expect to suddenly hear. I don't vocals. expect singing yeah. to. Yeah. yeah, even even when I know that all of these silent films are being accompanied by music recorded uh, within the last twenty years, basically for everything we've ever watched with right, recorded yeah. music applied to it. Uh, you know, and and for the most part, the original accompanying tracks are. Uh, lost 
or unknown. Yeah, I mean, uh, occasionally they have some like sheet music that they like. We've yeah. we've encountered a few where they're like, oh well, you know, there there was this sheet music that like the prince had included with them or something. But most of the time, they're just sort of like getting somebody who kind of is just good at doing this and just kind of like starting whole yeah. cloth almost. Uh, I am disappointed that they changed the title of this film from the title of the story it was based off of, which was called The Dock Walloper. It is a uh, great title. It's such a great title. The Docks of New York <laughs> feels very generic, whereas The Dock Walloper feels yeah. fantastic. Right. The Docks of New York could be the name of another gangster movie. Yeah, it could and be maybe a gangster what, movie. It, could, it sounds like a purpose. Scorsese movie, even if it's not. Like, yeah. I mean, it sounds like Gangs of New York. sounds like, yeah. you know. Any number of things. Yeah, but the Doc Walper, that's that's a winner right there. Underworld was a really fun movie. And this is a really fun movie. And unfortunately, The Last Command was just not a yeah, fun the, movie. Yeah, the, the Last Command <laughs> feels like a low point when you consider how fun those other two these these other two are, yeah. right? Like I understand that like Last Command from I guess from like it's like an Oscar winner and stuff, right? Like it's a right. they're like a good, good movie, but like I just very, very much enjoyed watching this movie. I was bought in all the way the whole time. Very engaging. I just, I, I really, you know, yeah. Bancroft's probably part of it. Like he, I understand that he doesn't feel like a real person necessarily all the time, but like he's really fun to watch though. Like yeah. really, really like amusing to watch and like a, you're like, Especially with uh, Underworld as sort of a setup for this one, you're just like, oh yeah, this guy. Like I know, I know this guy's mo. Like I know what he does. This will be great. Yeah, it's interesting that the Last Command is, uh, is the movie that Sternberg made with the clout from Underworld. Underworld did so well, Sternberg could do anything he wants. And he makes a starring vehicle for uh, the well, the guy who starred in Last Command, right. whose name I can't remember. Emil right Jannings, I think. Yeah, Emil Emil Jannings. Uh, yeah. Whereas you know, and presumably it did well enough that he made two other movies this year. Uh, and the Dragnet puts him back in the gangster seat, and and I can understand. He made one really really popular gangster movie, so maybe. The, maybe uh paramount producers would want him to always make gangster movies um right and maybe that's why this ends up titled the docks of new york to right. to trick paramount into thinking so or, or paramount I, actively trying to trick the audience into thinking right that's definitely movie. possible but, i mean but like if you yeah. went and saw underworld and i i would not i don't i can't imagine watching this movie and then being disappointed right like you would have right, a good time right. um yeah it's just you know plot wise it's a very simple melodrama <laughs> Right. right. That's yeah. true. Well, I, you know, I kind of agree with one of the comments that exists in the Wikipedia, which is it's deceptively simple. On okay. its on it on its base like base level, yes, it is simple. But there's like a lot of like kind of a lot of stuff going on here. Like, you know, I if I had to like sort of if I were to start recounting the story of this movie. There would be a fair number of like emotional turns and stuff that you have to talk about, which like aren't like necessarily just pure standard melodrama fodder, right? The the emotions of melodrama are big and generally fairly straightforward and like clean and easy to understand. Whereas like, you know, Bill's going through some stuff, May's definitely going through stuff, and like 
I mean, bear in mind, the movie starts off with very early on with her trying to kill herself, right? Like, right. That's right. like not necessarily basic standard melodrama fare. I I guess that's fair. Like melodrama. My my thought on what standard melodrama fare is like very straightforward, like love story with maybe a love triangle baked in or something like that. Right. But like they don't usually start with like characters who are kind of like this much in like sort of personal disarray. Um, yeah, and maybe maybe a more standard version of the story would have uh, have Bill also having to win May's freedom from a pimp or something, you know. Right, um, yeah. That yes, that would also that she, would be a much more standard storyline, right? Yes, something like that. Yeah. Maybe she works at the bar or something like that. And yeah, like it's it's it just it you know, and there isn't really a love triangle at all. It's it's very their 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 affair is like just between the two of them in that way. Um I don't know. It's just it it is simple. It is not I'm not saying it's not simple. It's just got more to it than it feels like it has any necess like necessity to have. Um Right, right. Um, yeah, I think that's I like. fair. Um, it's it's interesting. This this movie did not connect with an audience in the same way right. that Underworld did though. Uh, according to the film essay with this one uh, by Lucy Sante, uh, the Docks of New York wasn't mentioned at all in the New York Times until two years after it came out. And then it was only mentioned by the Paris correspondent because both Underworld and the Docks of New York had been released in France and were doing gangbusters over there, both of them. See, uh, I wonder, I have a suspicion that the, the the docks of New York, pl- it feels like that kind of movie. I can see where it might play better to international audiences, because like oh, maybe the story that it's telling may be too familiar to, like to the American audience that would be like watching the movie. Not that not that not all the complications we talked about, but like rough yeah. and tumble, like sea man comes back to town and like falls in love or something like that i mean like literally as you mentioned popeye comes out the year later or something you know what i mean like yeah this is a this is an archetype that like american audiences might be much more kind of maybe already done with whereas maybe other audiences wouldn't necessarily be done with it yet right and also bancraft's acting is out of date by this point Right, but isn't necessarily out of date everywhere. Is out of date specifically for like American audiences dealing with Hollywood films that have moved to a different style, like th- that that like boisterous, ridiculous American over the topness might be still playing quite well other places, right? Yeah, I'd be interested because uh, Docs in New York, despite not doing well in the U.S., uh, Sternberg doesn't seem to have been uh, censured by Paramount. He makes one more silent film uh, that came out in 1929 called The Case of Lena Smith for Paramount. And then his first sound film also came out in 1929 is another gangster film, a sound gangster film called Thunderbolt for Paramount starring George Bancroft. I'd be interested in seeing I would like to uh, see George that. make the jump to jump to sound. Yes, me too. Uh, the uh, 
the cover, the the poster for Thunderbolt on Wikipedia makes it look like a uh, evil psychic movie. Nice. <laughs> yes, it's, it's it's Bancroft in a really wide hat, and his eyes are like greened over, and there's a lightning bolt behind him. But Thunderbolt is just his nickname. It's so, also like... it's also worth noting that. Um... Yeah, it does. It it makes it look like it's it's maybe somehow connected to the Phantom or something like that. Yes, yes, uh, it's pretty amazing. Um, it's also worth noting that Bancroft also in the same year made a movie called The Wolf of Wall Street, which I think is just very funny. To yes, me. and he plays the wolf in the in the original yeah. Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, yeah, I didn't realize there was. Uh, I didn't realize I mean, that sure there's there's obviously there's the, a bunch the Wolf of, of Wall Street is a is a true story or or true ish story. Uh, right, but I didn't realize 80s, it was so a it's... 1929 story. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah, that's yeah. I didn't realize there was a a previous iteration of a movie called The Wolf of Wall Street. But yeah, yeah. It looks. I mean, it looks like he had a pretty long lasting career into the sound era too. Yeah. So. It more seems uh, like he may have just sort of aged out of the kind of roles that he is. He was sort of suited to more than anything else. That might be true too. Yeah, because you also see it. It seems like he also got moved over towards like different sort of role, even into like the forties. But like you know, he he only lived he you know he lived till fifty six. So like he's getting a little old by the time. You know, he's already like well, well into his career by the time sound rolls around, right? Like so, right, right. Like I said earlier, you know, he'd been he'd been making movies for like ten years before, right? Uh, well, nineteen twenty one was his earliest one, so not quite. He's in Stagecoach. Was he in Stagecoach? Yeah, he plays Marshall Curly Wilcox. I don't remember well enough to to like the original stage, call that to yeah. memory. He's a, he has a very familiar face. It's worth noting that we like. I don't necessarily feel like I haven't seen him before, but like, oh yeah, okay. Hmm. Um, George Bancroft. Yeah, he just doesn't look anything like the man we're seeing here. Right. Oh, but he does. Yeah, he's got well, the mustache, though. He looks like a pudgier the, version of himself. He's got the underworld mustache, and he's put on a few pounds. But uh, you know, not huh. that he's a, a really thin man in any of the. Uh, no, no, but he's, like he's, he's got a, a sort of. He's built like his, a barrel. Right. His build has like the sagging that happens to, with age to, to yeah, all of us, yeah. right? Um, right, and that's you know that's only six years after this movie, right? right? So. But yeah, yeah, we did see him in Stagecoach. I hadn't, I hadn't put that together. I'm glad you, uh, you picked up on that. Interesting. Uh, and yeah. also the Stagecoach Wikipedia page. Thank you to whoever edited. The oh, Stagecoach I Wikipedia love it when they do this. It doesn't happen of... very often, but like throw in those actor like picks, man. Like it makes this, yeah. it makes our job so much easier. Remembering who's who is so easy when you've got labeled pictures. Oh, of it's the best. <laughs> it doesn't happen very often, but like. Whoever, whomever makes those decisions, like just keep keep it up. Like, please, every movie Wikipedia page should look like that. I like him. He's a fun actor that I like seeing, um, and he does. He handles this role really, really well. Yeah. As you pointed out, he doesn't feel necessarily like a. He does feel like a man in a costume doing a sort of right. kind of maybe like above average stage show performance. But that. But but realizing that he was in stagecoach, that's that's indicative that when he jumped to the sound era, that sort of fell away too. Because I don't feel that way that's about true. that character yeah. in stagecoach. No, no, I will say that like stagecoach. Yeah, you're right. I mean, stagecoach. Well, 
here's the thing, though. That era of sound films still had some of that, like, scene chewing just as a oh, sort certainly. of standard practice, right? And so I wonder if he just blends in better there because, like, those, like, kind of everybody in Stagecoach is kind of hamming it up a little bit. Yeah, right? it is a large ensemble, too, of a lot of people kind of hamming it up. Like, I so. do remember his performance in there, and, like, yeah. I think you're right, but I think it just blends better. I think the issue is really that, like, to a certain extent, Sternberg's, the performances he's getting out of, especially his female leads, tend to be more subtle. Uh-huh. Um, and that just does, like, Bancroft just stands out when everybody else right. is being subtle, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's- He doesn't stand out when he's in the bar, like, doing weird shit around a bunch of other people doing weird shit. <laughs> right. Right. That is fair. Yeah. Yeah. He fits right in at the bar. He fits right in on the ship, too. Uh, yeah. And I don't know. Uh, William Powell in last in uh, the Last Command was definitely a subtle, was definitely subtle, but he also just was underutilized. So there's that, right? I mean, the, the uh, Last Command suffered from to a certain extent a lack of a lack of sort of like acting direction. It sort of felt like, uh, yeah, it just didn't feel like there was a sort of a, a, an acting style on display that we see in Underworld pretty clearly, and then we see a similar acting style here as well, like. Um, like similar sort of style, like you know, again, I think it was the Tag Alger one that talked about the way that like the sorts of like reactions that um, Sternberg got out of his, especially not not only the the women in the the story, but like also like you know like the what's his name Buck, yeah, demonstrates a lot of like furtive glances about like when he's uncertain and stuff like. A lot of really good use of facial expressions to convey information mm-hmm. um, in both those movies. Yeah, last commands a little bit so weaker in the last territory. Command. I yeah, think. I think yeah. that's fair. I think that's definitely fair. Uh, but yeah, this one's this one's definitely strong in that. Uh, you know, even as our our female lead spends uh, since at least fifteen minutes of the movie unconscious. <laughs> Yeah, but like that's the issue. Like even then, though, like I don't know. Like there's um, it's all just very good though. Like that whole that whole because then she's paired up with like not just Bancroft, but like other people who are having like varying forms of reaction to her. Right. 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 Because like Bancroft is is concerned about her and is is most the most visibly trying to deal with it, but like um. Uh, what um, the captain's wife Lou jumps in to help Lou. her. Lou, like, how do you say it? Lou? Yeah, just Lou. L O U. Is that yeah, Lou? Lou. Why not? Why wouldn't it know. be Lou? I don't know. I don't know words. <laughs> yeah, like Lou is also concerned and 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 giving the bar owner what for when she keeps trying to like yeah. not put blankets on her and shit. Right. right? So it's right. like it's interesting because like despite being unconscious. May becomes a sort of catalyst for people's interactions with each other that that proved to be very characterizing, right? Of who they are, right, right. Because this is this is a person in crisis. Whether or not you f- know the full extent of her crisis, uh, is still a person in crisis. And Lou jumps in to help, and Bill Bill literally jumps in to help. Literally uh, jumps in to help, right? Yeah, and uh, and and the bar owner and. And his wife are just absolutely adamantly against it, and maybe they, you know, they're against it because they know who May is or whatever. You know, maybe it's not. I my my read on it is the stupidest read. Yeah. Uh, but it was my net my immediate reaction. I was like, oh, they just don't want this very dirty, very wet person in their bed. 
I mean, that could be an aspect of it. Also, <laughs> this uh, person who is just in a very dirty, dirty uh, bay like bay. Uh, we'd rather given, you didn't use the blankets. Still a bad thing to do. I'm not saying they're right. I'm just yeah. saying that was my immediate read on it. Given how often ownership is involved with quelling those bar fights, uh, it it could really. Uh, you know, again, this is not anything. The movie doesn't need to flesh this out for us. No. But it could be that the bar owner and his wife don't want a dead prostitute in their building. That uh, yeah, no, for real, yeah, <laughs> that brings I, I some mean, problems. That uh, there, there's a lot there, and like, and the movie just invites you as the audience to just sort of, on a general level, understand that like, oh, you know, you don't need to fill in the blanks. I think most people probably <laughs> yeah. do just out of like habit. Yeah. But you know, we understand the core, which is like. This is a person in crisis that they do not want in their in their room. Yeah. And they're just at every turn being overridden by like other people who are more more apt to like care. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's just fun. This is a fun movie. It is. I really it's like not, it. I and, I enjoyed myself. So uh, another thing that Underworld does that we get a little bit of here is uh, the party scene in Underworld. We eventually get shots emulating how how drunk the people are, right? Right. Um, you know, sort of funhouse mirror effects. Uh, here we get one insert POV shot of May uh, trying to thread the needle where her eyes are misting right, over because right. she's crying. That you know, it's it was unexpected. Uh, and it was it was nice. The the as we mentioned with um, Underworld, like things like close ups and stuff are used to pretty good effect in in this movie. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as effectively as Underworld because I feel like Underworld almost fits into sort of a master class on some of that stuff. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, like <laughs> like, but like pretty well, right? Like we get close ups that really convey a lot of like where the actors are given a lot of opportunity to convey emotion really clearly. And uh, um, and like the the needle threading is like a nice visual effect, but that's also accompanied with like close up close ups of her face and close ups of like the thing the pocket and things. And you're supposed right. to like get a lot of sort of a you're supposed to be taking a lot of emotional stuff away from what is essentially divorced from context would just be like weird scenes yeah. that don't make any sense. Yeah, it's also maybe just good for this movie. Uh, and interesting in this movie that Bill and May, out of all of the characters in love we've seen in Sternberg so far, well, at least in this box set, I won't, I won't say about the Scarlet Empress because I don't remember it well enough. It was so long ago. Oh yeah, no, uh, I, I but, remember it enough that when they brought it up in the thing, I was like, oh right, that's a movie we watched. Yeah. Um, but compared to the love triangle in Underworld or the love triangle in uh, the Last Command. Uh, Bill and May actually feel like they care for each other. Uh, at That's least true. In the that second half of the movie, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and even yeah, like no, totally. And and I think the movie is a, is in many ways is a is a story of building that relationship out, right? right? Like, right. You know, Bill, Bill saves her out of the same impetus of doing the thing that needs done. Damn the consequences, right? Uh, but Bill falls in love with her after he saves her. Yeah. Right. 
and and it avoids a lot of the pitfalls of like that where like oh now he's just like you know you know even in modern like kind of garbage yeah. movies right yeah. like where they fall instantly in love as soon as he sees her and then there's some sort of like external complication no the complications arise primarily from the fact that like bill needs to adjust his headspace right and and made us too with regards to like yeah the, the person who's injured their life right yeah and it's not like you know he's not even there when she wakes up Right. Right. He's not the first person she sees. Uh, right. Yeah. There's no instant moment of love or anything like that, which is yeah. like, again, like what I'm saying is like the movie has more emotional depth than it than it, than it should. Needs. Yeah. Than yeah. it needs or, or it really should for the kind of movie it is. And, and, and it ends up being a really fascinating thing to watch because like, again, like that's. Like we, you and I, are, those are tropes that are very, very old, right? Like, oh, he saved her. She woke up. She saw his face. They fall in love, and then some other thing gets in the way, and they have to overcome this other obstacle. But like, there is no other obstacle, not really. Like, there's another story going on between Lou and her and the captain, but like, it's not an obstacle to their right. The obstacle, you know, the obstacle to their love is capitalism. Uh, and, and, right, right, right. The ultimate Bill's, obstacle. Yeah, really. Bill's just got to find another way to, another way to make money. Uh, but it's, maybe beating I mean, people up in the bar. Maybe Bill just becomes a bouncer. Yeah, Does like even that's money. even that's not positioned within the text of this movie. As Bill needs to make find a new way to make money to like redeem her. Like he does actively redeem her, but but what he redeems her for is not the prostitution. It's uh. It's her being punished for a crime he committed. <laughs> so, like, right, right, yeah. It's just I don't know the the way as a as a movie from this era, the way it treats May being a prostitute is just very weird, uh, very out of yeah. I know it doesn't match what we what we've become yeah. accustomed. It, it it's interesting because like we talked about this with the um, with Underworld too. Is this this sort of like this doesn't. At times, doesn't feel like a movie from its own time right, in right. terms of like the way it treats specifically the female lead characters. Yeah. Um, uh, it, but even with Bill, right? Like Bill is, they're both sort of like redeeming each other, right? Bill's being yeah. brought into a world of like thinking about other people, right? Um, like Bill's a good person, but he's not a good person who actually like necessarily puts other people's feelings ahead of his own. Um, doesn't even seem to think to necessarily, and it, it's a lot of a journey on that. And May's redeemed in the not just you know the the sort of the, actually the prostitution becomes a totally side, un like almost unrelated. It's more about her like accepting that somebody cares about her, right? That like on a, like a real emotional level, right? Not just right. like right, yeah. Bill, Bill's it's, it's interesting. I don't know why. Why is this movie so like emotionally deep for fucking no reason? I well, it's interesting because Bill's like, pure good for id. it, I guess. Right? Like, Bill is just pure id in a way that we don't right. see that often. Uh, right. It is interesting that it is a man who who acts almost without ego whatsoever, even when he acts in his own self interest. He's acting. He's not acting in his own self importance. Right. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he's just—he's an interesting really character, and yeah. and the way May is portrayed makes her a very interesting character. And then and, the way those two come together and, and interact and yeah. change each other is it, like, what the hell, man? Like, what? Why is maybe like one of the best movies I've like 
some of the best movies I've watched in like the last while. <laughs> it's like this like goofy like about about a yeah a dude who lives in the bottom of ships and like it's comes a goofy ashore and learns, it's a goofy love to story. be a real person. A goofy love story from nearly a hundred years ago. <laughs> it's just it's just great. It's That's really wild, yeah. man. Yeah. Uh <laughs> I would say honestly speaking, like I, I, I do believe that Underworld is a more uh, more sophisticated and, Oh yeah and, definitely and a fascinating movie. But I like this one the best of the three we watched because this was the most like I did like Underworld a lot. But like I understand this one even sort of better in some ways yeah. like i don't know i it was very heartwarming it's like i don't know it's something something about this movie did something to me like right. i don't know i really liked it if we look back on episodes where we were we were covering box sets we probably end up ranking them uh <laughs> yeah. ranking the movies in them in a way we don't set out to do but uh but no this, that's not this one's goal but, this one's got a pretty clear ranking and i feel like this one's number one like visually, yeah. Underworld is definitely better than this. I Underworld, mean, Underworld's a, a Underworld's are like a stunner in terms of like, yeah. like, like just like because that that Tag Allegor thing reviewed like the way that fucking prison like outdoor oh, yeah, yeah, scenes yeah. have like all oh, that shit is so it's so, so good. good. Yeah, but like this one's just got heart, and that's yeah. weird. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, maybe it's melodramatic heart, but it's still good heart, and I still connect. Yeah, but with I, it I, I, like I eat that shit up too. Yeah. I love that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they go to Night Court, so I get to think about the television show Night Court and yeah, anything you get to that think brings about Night Court. Anything that, that brings Night course. Court to mind uh, is good. Yeah, except I mean, for, if only this judge did magic tricks, we'd right, be, right. I'd be all in, right? If well, he, maybe just, like, he does, we're just pull not... the penny out from somebody's yeah. ear or something for no reason. <laughs> Hands her flowers after he acquits. Yeah, her. like the ba- has the uh, bailiff come over, pulls a scarf like a scarf yeah. out of the bailiff's ear, and then hands it to her. I do like I do like that she's still in the clothes she's being uh, accused of stealing because <laughs> right yeah yeah because that's yeah. not how Hollywood costuming works. <laughs> it's just like well, if we change her clothes now, no one will know who she is. So <laughs> right, it'll get confusing. The audience won't understand. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, Bill's costume is is great too, just because it 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 implies that from like eighteen ninety to nineteen fifty two, uh, there was just one standard. There's just the dock sailor worker costume. outfit, <laughs> sailor yeah. sailor outfit, you know, non non navy sailor outfit. Yeah, if you're uh, not in the navy, this is what you wear when you're hanging out on boats. Yeah, yeah. The it's the, also interesting though that like when they're down in the hole. Their clothes are just fucking destroyed. Oh yeah, yeah. Like they're they're barely even clothes at that point, right? Like, there's a whole process that yeah, even no, Bill the, goes through when he comes up above, like, deck or whatever up on yeah. deck, like where he's now like a human being in human clothes rather than whatever the yeah. fuck those rags they were making him wear down there were. Yeah, the uh, the hellishness of of the engine room is definitely well sold. Uh, in in staging, in uh, production design, and in, in costume as well. Uh, it's all very good. Yeah, it's it's a fun movie. It's just a fun movie. That's all. I can just leave it at that. It's a fun movie. No, yeah, I, I agree. Like, I yeah, I... <laughs> 
I I did like in the in the I I think of it I think of the hole as like the cave or something like that. But yeah, down there like they are um the paintings they see on the wall right are just these like really crude like drawings but they do the same sort of close-up on it that they do like later on in the movie yeah like so you can really engage with these like caveman-esque scribbles on the wall they're like all are are all hinting at sex like in some way or another (laughs) but in just like the most childish drawings it's very uh, it's very interesting yeah and like you start to think you start to imagine in your mind like why they're like you kind of go through the mental process of like it's 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 illustration for their own like enjoyment, but also it seems to be kind of a weird guidebook too, because it's got like names and stuff all over. It's very fascinating. You kind of start to imagine like what what are they doing down there? Like their their like life process where they where they're making this. Like I guess in their free time on break or whatever, right? Um, you know, just like you kind of imagine what that social dynamic is like, where like somebody I guess goes over and then just doodles something on there, like on their break or something. I don't know. I don't know his uh, his coworker down there's name is Sugar so there's a, a weird sexuality to anyone being nicknamed Sugar so <laughs> I guess that's true but bear in mind Bill is covered in tattoos of like women's names and like right, a naked right. woman so like you know yeah. oh man which when is Bill- an interesting thought because Bill doesn't seem to be ever in- doesn't seem to be a person who would be engaged in long term relationships. No. So is Bill getting the this is a weird question, but is Bill just visiting prostitutes and then getting their I, names tattooed onto him like as just sort of a hobby? I think and this this paints Bill in a bad light, but I think it is a real bad light to the character. Uh I think that <clears throat> Bill spending the night with May and even getting married to May is a a serial thing that he has done in the past of yeah definitely uh, possible that is definitely possible at least yeah. presenting as being more committed to the relationship than he actually is or maybe just falling in love too quickly and too easily and then falling out right. of love just yeah. as quickly and easily uh it is not necessarily uh uh sociopathic <laughs> but it might still be pathological uh, right. I, the only thing that I think is like we we we're left in a world where we imagine that Bill's experience here is fairly indicative of what his normal shore leave experience is, which is like one night. Like that's a lot to get done in a right. night. If right. it also includes a tattoo. Yeah. Uh, I feel like maybe this is an extra short shore leave or something. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Then maybe all Bill's that. like Listen, spending the this... night for like you know a few nights or something or a couple nights when. When the when the night court asks how long May had been married, and she says, "Oh, I got I got married last night," I was like, "Wait, has it really only been twenty four hours?" Is that I know we're back in night court, right. so it is nighttime again now, but still, um, like everything that happened, the the uh, the sexual assault, the murder, uh, him deciding to leave. Him jumping off the boat and getting back all happened in one day. In, in one day, uh, yeah. It, the the spirits did it all in one night. Uh, yeah, but yeah, no, like which also implies just but, Bill hasn't slept in a week. So no, yeah, Bill does. I don't think Bill sleeps. Um, yeah. but like, but that also leaves you to imagine. Okay, well, if this is one night, like if this is one like essentially twenty four hour period, I guess like in these other relationships, Bill is 
going through a similar process, but is it's there long enough where he could also get a tattoo, is all I'm saying. Yeah, well, he's getting a tattoo instead of getting married. Right, right, right. He, him and her are going to the tattoo parlor or whatever. Yeah, it's like, I'm yeah. Show that's, that's all I'm suggesting. You know, it's, but it's, I still it, think I still think Bill's probably at least, I feel like this must be an extra short short leave, is all I'm saying. I think that's probably fair. Got to get it in and out quick. Well, it, it, I mean, Sexually, they even kind I mean. of respond to. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, like, Bill, but but they kind of even apply it right because when they're given shore leave, the captain says like something, and they all kind of react to like, "Are you fucking kidding me right now?" Right, right. Like we're leaving in the morning. What? Yeah, yeah. Well, they also say they're leaving in the morning, and they keep saying they're leaving in the morning, but then apparently <laughs> they actually leave sometime in the mid afternoon because. Bill gets a lot done that morning. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, to be fair, I mean, the captain did get shot. Uh, Right. But, like, (laughs) they do have to find, you know, that might delay the departure a little bit. But, like, you know, the other thing is, is that, like, one has, I I personally understand this because this has happened to me before. Um, My office will oftentimes give us a deadline that is significantly before the actual practical deadline. Yes. So that everybody fucking actually gets it done before the real actual practical deadline happens. Yeah. It's, oh, if you want to leave in the afternoon, you better tell them all to be here at like 9 a.m. or else we're never getting out of here until tomorrow. I mean, especially if these guys are all going to show up hungover after you told them not to show up hungover. It's going to take a minute. And also, who the fuck are you kidding? Telling (laughs) them that they're not like- They're one day They've been in a hole for three months or whatever. Like, don't show up hungover. What are you talking about? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think, uh, you know, this is another relatively short one, but it's, you know, it's part I of mean, the box. The movie set. speaks for itself in a the lot of ways, right? Like, itself. hey, you just go watch it and, like, enjoy yourself. Yeah. It's just a fun movie. Uh, and without further recapping the individual fun bits of the movie, uh, which we've already done plenty of, I think it's yeah. uh, time to pull this to a close. Still disappointed this movie isn't called The Doc Walloper. Instead, it's called yes. The Docks of New York from 1928, directed by Joseph von Sternberg, bringing us to a close of our von Sternberg box set of three silent films with Underworld and The Last Command. Uh, still wish The Last Command was a better movie, but eventually yeah. I will just not remember that The Last Command exists. And I'll and only just remember, remember these ones. I remember how fun Docks of New York was and the uh, the visuals of Underworld. And uh, maybe they'll become one movie in my brain at some point, too. They might. They might. So. It's definitely possible. Yeah. Uh, but this was fun. Next week, we're switching gears a little bit with a couple of documentaries back to back from Terry Zwigoff. Uh, first up is Louie Bluey from. 1985 and followed up by I bet Louis Bluey was just put out because Criterion got the rights to Crumb in two weeks we'll watch from 1995 the documentary on cartoonist R. Crumb uh, which should be weird because he's a weirdo <laughs> um, right. and Louis Bluey sounds like it's pretty weird too so look forward to that always always fun to have a documentary in the from the Criterion collection yeah, we love them we do we really do uh, so look forward to that. We'll see more von Sternberg with another box set in the distant, distant future. Uh, as at Spine 930, oh, we will start. Wow, really? Yeah, we will start a five-film, six-film? No, five-film set of uh, 
Von Sternberg and Marlene Dietrich's Hollywood movies uh, from 1930 to 1935. Uh, they made five movies in Hollywood and obviously also made The Blue Angel outside of Hollywood, but we'll never watch The Blue Angel in the Criterion Collection, I don't think. Oh, really? Hmm. You have to do a bonus with that in it or something. Maybe someday, but anyway. Look forward to those documentaries coming up. Thank you so much for listening to Lost in Criteria. And once again, thank you. We've been doing this 10 years. Man, that's crazy. And people are listening. It is crazy. I uh, never would have expected that 10 years ago. Never expected that, anyone that to listen to it 10 years ago. Didn't should not have happened, frankly. Yeah. So <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Thank you to everyone who's supported us over the years. Uh, and we'll uh, we'll keep on trucking. Uh, <laughs> speaking yeah. of our crime. 10 more. Ten more. Here we go. Ten more still won't get us to the end of the <laughs> end of the I know, Criterion Collection. I know, at this but we'll point. be so old, man. Yeah. Ah, uh, beautiful. I'll All have right. a kid who is like in college or graduated ten, from. College. Ten years from now, you should have a kid who is graduated from college. Yeah, it's too much. I don't want to think. Let's not have this conversation anymore. You Adam. started it. All I right, I started it, but you you went that route. All right. Anyway. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. This has been Lost in Criterion, hosted by me, Adam Glass. Find me on Twitter at the Adam Glass. My co-host is John Patrick Ovatari Dorgan. You can find him on Twitter at J Patrick Dorgan. Big thanks to Jonathan Hape for our theme song. Check him out at jonathanhape.bandcamp.com or hear more from him on any streaming service. Also, thanks to all our Patreon supporters, iTunes reviewers, and Redbubble customers. And hey, thank you for listening.